The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome back to our podcast at home with the Lalas, or rather in our closet, because that's where we currently are. We are in lockdown still. This is our third episode. We had our first one with the wonderful Rose McGowan, and we had Big Nasty on last week, which I thoroughly enjoyed, especially his fantastic batch of CBD oil, Mm -hmm. which has made me sleep 12 hours. But guys, yeah, welcome back to our episode. Mm -hmm. And today, we have a wonderful guest on Joanne Froggett and for those of you that don't know she's an incredible actress she's a Golden Globe winning actress a SAG award winning actress you might know her for her role as Mrs. Bates in Downtown Abbey or Laura in Liar which is gracing our TVs at the moment and we had one of the best chats with her yeah we just had so much fun and we uh, first of all it gets a bit naughty which mm. i love mm. and she is she is certainly she's certainly a very witty character in real life yeah. she is she's a wonderful and sweet human and she had some really interesting things to say and i think one of the things that really stood out for me i don't know about you in the interview was just the fact that she talked about the internet and talked about trolling and talked mm. about what it's like to be in lockdown and to get comments on your Instagram. I think one of the reasons why this is such an important topic at the moment is because in lockdown, the virtual realms, whether it be social media, whether it be the blogs, Daily Mail, Metro, whatever it is, is becoming more important to everyone because we can't have face-to-face interactions with people. Those people that wouldn't avidly check social media or interact through those means, it's become more normal for them to do so. So I think we do need to talk about how to deal with the inevitable trolling, people disagreeing with what you're saying, or just at a very basic level, some judgment that happens through little pictures of your life. Absolutely. Also, I think it's much harder for anyone to to come up with any content. And so Mm. people sort of resort to coming up with old content. I've definitely posted some throwback Thursdays, which is a thing on Instagram. But also there's something that really interests me. Laura, you mentioned that a, a while ago. You you came up, I don't, you probably didn't come up with the no. term, but you told me there's something called sad fishing. Yeah. What is sad fishing? So sad fishing is a term. And I think these terms come with larger trends of how people are dealing with certain things at a time. So sad Sad fishing is similar 
in terminology to catfishing, but what it actually means is making your life or circumstance to appear worse or to create a situation that will make people feel sorry for you, that you benefit from their sympathy. So um, one of the famous examples of sad fishing is through Kendall Jenner when she was launching a beauty line and she created a really sad story and off the back of that was trying to sell her beauty line. Social media is actually a great space in some in some respects to share maybe things that you are going through and make other people know that it's okay if you're going through certain things. I think the main part of this is if you benefit off the back of it. Well, financially anyways, but also I have to say... Emotionally as well, actually. No. Probably. I mean, you know, fishing for likes, that kind of thing. I, I'm I'm completely somewhat understanding for that. And I also mm. have to say that I have read posts that may be may fall under that category that have personally helped me mm. and that have inspired yeah. me. I think I've re- I read a post the other day from a wonderful man called Jules and he said, you know, right now you may have gained a little bit of weight. You may not be exactly where you want to be, but you're alive. And that's already really good. Mm. I, I needed to hear that that day. Well, that's what I was saying. There's no hard and fast rule to say right. that you can't post something that is emotive, that is sharing your hardships or anything like that. That's not the bad part of what sad fishing is. It's people seeing that genuine posts like that are getting reactions and getting interactions from people, creating a situation that may not be sure. there. And then it's actually losing credibility to the people that are actually going through like that that thing yeah absolutely i mean listen the internet or any kind of social media has always been it's it's never the real world really is it but i i will say that for me at the moment especially i have to be i don't know about you i have to be really careful who i follow Mm. and who i look at because it can really change my mood very quickly and I have a lot more time on my hands where I'm usually very strict with how often I check my Instagram. I've, I've even gone as far as deleting my Instagram in the morning and reinstating it in the evening and then a friend of mine once suggested to just um, use an old phone to like an old phone that you haven't used in I don't know 10 years. Uh, yeah. yeah, and put your Instagram on there and I think they're, they're self-care ways of... Mm of how you deal with it and that was quite interesting with Jo because we asked her that and she had some interesting things to say (laughs) some really funny things to say (laughs) so you'll hear that in a minute but what do you do to protect yourself if you will because I know we check our social media a lot more than we normally do don't we I have to be really honest here you know I am on social media a lot and it does sometimes bring me anxiety seeing certain people it sometimes it does sometimes make me feel bad about myself or that I'm not doing enough or that it does make me compare people in an unfair way to myself because on one level I understand the construction of posts everyone does it of course I understand that it's not a reflection of their actual life it's a highlight reel if you will yeah it's but like an acting show reel exactly isn't it? Yeah. exactly so there's no delusions in my mind that I think yeah. this is how successful people are or how people are doing but on another level I'm like oh okay well why didn't I think of that? Or And you can't do everything. And I have to keep telling myself that. For me, what I have really done is mute the accounts that are not making me feel good. The reason why I say mute is it's not because 
I don't want the people in my life. And and people do have these follow-ups where they know when you delete them. And <laughs> it is an offensive thing. I have it. And I've had people delete me. Yeah, I was going to ask you something. You have this app. We've talked about this before that lets you know when someone follows you. Is yeah. that right? Well, no, when someone unfollows you. Yeah. And you can look at it and you can see do you, it. What do you, how do you think that makes you feel? Do you think that's a positive thing? Do you think it's a good thing to know? I don't have it for, for mean, no reason. it's for no completely reason. immature and childish. <laughs> Oh, because so because I look at it and I was like, oh, you unfollowed me? Ah, oh, honey, I'm going to unfollow you. Yeah, but <laughs> Thank I, you for being honest. Yeah, I love and it is, did. and it's childish, and I should delete it, but I don't know if it's my ego. I don't know what it is, but... I check it regularly. I think it's great fit to admit to it, and um, I will admit to so many. So I know men. if you're unfollowing me, people. Exactly. <laughs> Here is Joanne Froggett, and we are so, 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 so happy to have her on. We love you, Joe. Hi, Joe. How are you? Hi, darling. I'm very well, thanks, ladies. How are you both? We are both okay. We are in a hot closet, as mentioned. <laughs> and it's a little bit strange. Where are you and how are you? I am at home in Buckinghamshire and um, yeah, I'm fine. I've been like today has been a good day. Um, yeah. Feeling quite positive and productive today. Um, some days not so positive and productive like everyone else. Some days I'm like, hmm. Just gonna sit and watch movies in my pajamas, but yeah, no, I'm I'm having a, a really good day today. Yeah, have you had the pajama days already. Yes, I did have a pajama day yesterday. Mm. Um, thank goodness, not as many as I was expecting. So I have had the odd pajama day, and um, just thought, yeah, you know what? It's fine. I'm I'm allowed. It's okay. I'm allowed to have a day, you know, where I just don't feel like doing much, and I just do some admin and watch the movies and maybe I was a little bit hungover so that was had a party zoom with some friends on a Saturday night so <laughs> for all of our listeners can you tell us a little bit about your lockdown process how you got to Buckinghamshire and where you've kind of been at throughout the whole entire COVID experience yeah so to start with like everyone it was quite um quite an adjustment wasn't it you know I think it was just the sort of fear of what was happening and um how long we were going to be in this situation for and you know how how our NHS were going to cope and it was just all this unknown wasn't it and this sort of fear of and obviously fear for the more vulnerable people that I love um and you know so it definitely threw up some extra challenges um but which it has done for everyone you know everyone's concerned about the same things they you know, they obviously concerned mainly firstly about the health of their loved ones and, you know, and secondly is, you know, finances and all of these sort of extra, extra things that have, um, you know, made this time a little bit more concerning. But, um, but yeah, sort of definitely had a, a few days of um, coming to terms with it all and thinking, what, what, what do mm. I do? Like, how do I use my time now? And sort of that adjustment to kind of going, okay, what will, we'll, having to sort of rethink my whole day-to-day -day life kind of thing after a couple of weeks I've just really got into the flow of it so I've done a lot of um a lot of talking to friends on zoom and um family and that has been amazing um the last few weeks I've got back into doing exercise which has made me feel so much better great 
yeah and just I've started cooking again which I'm not very good at but I'm getting better at it so yeah so definitely some positives and a really strange twist during this whole lockdown you've actually been on our on our televisions which is really weird because Yeah, it is kind of weird. So even though I've not been out, I have been in everyone's homes or millions of people's homes. <laughs> Found that really strange because we had another Zoom call together, and that night you were also my my other half was watching you on TV. So <laughs> yeah, how have people reacted to that? Would you say? Um, well, it's been great. I, I, Liar, um, the show that you're talking about that's been on yes. recently is um, I've always enjoyed a sort of. Um, being open and um, looking at people's reactions to the show because obviously it's sort of you know it's um, very sensitive subject matter and it sort of threw up a lot of questions and um, so I've really enjoyed seeing what people or how people have responded to it and and even more so in um, in this lockdown period because it's it's been lovely to sort of see I don't sort of look at social media at the time when programs that I'm in are airing mostly but with Liar I do because it always has a reaction I can sort of tell how people are responding to it so um yeah and it's been great just just to be able to sort of have read comments from people saying that um you know they've really enjoyed the show it's kept them on the edge of their seat they've been really looking forward to it it was the highlight of their week and that's been lovely. Do you respond on socials as well when they when they are asking you questions about the show, or is it a bit more just as a comment zone? Yeah, no, I do reply. I do. I mean, I reply very occasionally. I often like things, so people know I've sort of read it and responded. Um, I don't. I have a rule. I don't reply to anything negative, um, mm. just because I just, I just don't feel like it's worth spending the energy entering into a sort of negative conversation with somebody that I've never met um and everyone's entitled to their opinions so yeah I as a rule I don't sort of I don't you know get into politics religion or negativity on social media it's yeah. called keyboard warriors isn't it the, <laughs> yeah. the, the people that are very brave on the keyboard but if yeah. you see them they probably wouldn't be saying the same thing exactly and don't get me wrong like I've, I've occasionally had the odd negative comment that has really made me laugh out loud so it's not like it's always <laughs> hurtful sometimes I'm kind of like okay you've got a fair point but I can't, I can't respond to that can you tell us a comment that you would have like traditionally laughed at um well yeah I can tell you one so I remember one time there was um when Downton was on and um, the press department had asked me to do a sort of a live tweet where, uh, during one of the episodes. And because my character, Anna Bates, was a really nice character and most people loved her and, you know, she was sort of a very warm character. Um, I was sort of getting all these comments through saying, oh, we love Anna, oh, we love you, we just love her, oh, she's amazing, which was all lovely and gorgeous. And I was just getting sort of reams of these lovely comments and then all of a sudden this one person just put, at Joe Frogger, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just thought, well, fair play. I might be sick of going. <laughs> but it did. It made, it made me laugh out loud so much that I nearly retweeted it. And I was like, no, I can't. I can't do that. And then we just like carried on again. So good, actually. I know it is. It, you've got to admit, comedy timing, I have to give it whoever that person was full marks for comedy timing because it did make me laugh out loud. <laughs> I think that just made my day. I feel like every day I need something so outrageous, whether it is in the news or so, that just makes me go, what the F? Do yeah. you feel the same way, Joe? Oh, definitely, yeah. And you know, sort of all those um, 
you know, all those sort of like silly videos and bits and pieces that people send around and sort of like funny videos and memes yeah. and all the rest of it. And some of them you, you sort of get a bit overloaded with, but sometimes there's the odd one and you're just like, oh, thank you for that. That just made yeah. my day. That just set my day up so in the perfect way. <laughs> We would love to know what you do, because we, we haven't figured it out. So we are asking <laughs> our guests, how do you keep a routine? Because we are really struggling with it. That is something that Lara and I talk about a lot. We're trying, I think we're getting better at it. And then we go, we go like a couple of steps forward and then 10,000 steps back. Do you keep a routine? Because I know often for that you get up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., you go into makeup, you have your day set up, you know where you're going to be. This is probably a very new world for you because you've been working non-stop for a long long time yeah I mean like you ladies you know I, d I don't have I don't have a lot of routine in my life anyway I do for like set periods of time like you, like you say when you're doing a specific job or you're on one job for like a few months then you, you're very much in a routine and then it stops and you finish that job and then you're just like oh okay it's just it's just me again and what am I doing and what do I need to do with my day um so I think that's kind of helped in a way that I I just my routine is constantly changing so but I just haven't I haven't sort of forced myself into doing anything or getting up at a certain time I've just sort of naturally fallen into fallen into a routine of I don't go to sleep very early I have to say I probably go to sleep between like 1 and 2 a.m oh really yeah I just can't get I just don't want to sleep early and then I usually get up between like eight and nine. And that just seems to naturally be what my body clock wants to do at the moment. And then I'll sit and have a coffee, call the family, do a few emails, do a bit of exercise. By that time, it might be time to have some lunch or eat something else because I haven't eaten anything for 10 minutes. <laughs> surely it's time to eat again, surely. Have a shower and then you know sort of see what what sort of work bits and pieces I need to do and and other stuff. So yeah, so I kind of like got a bit of a routine to the first half of my day, and then the second half of the day I just kind of I'm trying to go with what I feel like doing a little bit. Rolling on from routines because you actually just came back from Australia, didn't you? Which yes. is her home country. Uh, which is where I'm from. That's yeah. so really excited firstly to hear what you thought about it secondly to know whether you're jet lagged and trying to restructure your routine because of that as well um no I've been back for a few months so luckily I'm over the jet lag which is um which is quite in yeah, it's quite full-on that jet lag um but I love us where whereabouts in Australia are you from Lara Sydney oh my god it's my favorite place ah! um, I just love Australia I did a job there um when I was 25, 26, and uh, I did a, an acting job there, which was two months. And then I was sort of free and single at the time. So I stayed and went traveling, so did the backpacking thing. And oh my God, I just fell in love with Australia. I just loved it. The, like the, you know, the country is just so, the landscape's so diverse and it's just so beautiful. I find it, I've always found it a really welcoming friendly place to be and I do love Sydney so I was based in Sydney that time and then um I was filming there this year for sort of four months and based in Sydney again and yeah I just love it I one thing I've <laughs> wanted to ask you for a really long time is I I obviously I love Downton Abbey and I love your character in it and as as everybody else except that very um fancy person who tweeted you <laughs> which is such a good tweet uh, something 
right now people are locked in their houses. A lot of people are locked in their houses with people they probably shouldn't be locked in their houses. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I wanted to discuss with you because you won a Golden Globe for your portrayal in season four, I believe it was. And you held a heartbreaking, beautiful, warming speech that literally brought me to tears again when I rewatched it and I hadn't watched it in, in a little while. And you mentioned that uh, people had written to you about rape and you heard them. And me, it was so moving. I wonder what gave you the courage to go up in front of all of Hollywood and <laughs> say that. I mean, I think, um, I mean, I haven't rewatched my speech, so I can't w- rewatch anything that I'm myself in because I just find it too awkward to watch. But, um, but I did know at the time I got everything out that I that I wanted to say and. And it was a few years ago, so this was like before the Me Too movement and and all of that had happened. And um, I was, it was the biggest shock of my life. It was one of the biggest shocks of my life to win that night. I had absolutely no idea. I was really relaxed thinking, oh, my my category was um, announced, I knew quite early on in the evening. I think it's like the third category or something. And I was saying, oh, that's great because we can just get it out of the way and enjoy the night and just enjoy the whole experience mm-hmm. and how, you know. And I think when they announced my name, I, I, I clapped, which I don't think you can see. <laughs> I clapped for about 10 seconds because I didn't realise it was my name. And then I was like, oh, my, oh my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, they said my name, they said my name. And my mind just went completely blank. And I was just like, I've got to go to the stage. I've just got to go to the stage. And um, so my speech came from, I, I received uh, a small number of letters from women, um, they all happen to be women, who were survivors of rape and sexual assault. And um, when I received this particular letter, I'd finished doing all the press for that series of Downton. And, um, but this one lady sent me a letter that said, um, she was very candid about explaining what she'd been through. And she also said, you know, it's not just Anna and, you know, women in that time period that aren't believed, we are still not believed or still don't feel able to come forward. And she wrote in the letter, I, you know, she didn't know why she was writing to me really, but she supposed in some way she just wanted to feel heard. And that just, sorry, I get emotional just repeating it. That just really hit me and stuck with me. And I thought to myself, oh, if ever I am talking about this series again in a public way, I would like to acknowledge that I heard her and that hopefully that means other people hear her. However, I never imagined in a million years it would be doing a speech accepting a Golden Globe. (laughs) I really was not expecting it to be that moment. Um, But it's a strange thing. You just sort of, it was a long, I remember it being a very long walk to the stage. (laughs) It just made my brain going, just get to the stage, get to the stage. And then I think I was so overwhelmed and just, just about managed to keep it together and and I did manage to say, you know, what this lady had written to me in her letter. And I just said, you know, I, I just want you to know that I heard you. And I hope saying this so publicly means that you feel the world has heard you. Um, and it was just something that genuinely came from the heart and something I, I'd wanted to say for a long time. And that was my opportunity to say it. 
That is so beautiful. Honestly, I was yeah. just I was just tearing up no, watching you. Um... Yeah, we both and we actually watched it this morning. So um, I'm actually going to put a link up on it at some point. You don't have to watch it, but no, I'm not going to watch it. Again. <laughs> I, I wanted... Oh, sorry. Oh no, no. please, please go. Because <laughs> no, because I, I wanted to ask something on that, and I think that actors always get asked um, about getting into a role. I wanted to know with, uh, you've had some really hefty roles. Downtown Abbey is a period piece that had layers and layers of um, personas and meanings. I wanted to know how you get out of a role after going through years of kind of carrying this character with you. Do you have a process that you go through? Yeah, I guess, I don't know whether I have a, a set process, but I mean, Anna was a pretty pretty nice character to sit with for, you know, six seasons on and off, because she, you know, although she did go through some some pretty dramatic storylines, um, there were times where she was happy and it was, a, you know, it was a nice sort of person to sit with in your head. Um, I do get sort of quite involved in my characters, like I dream about them often, I dream about work, but I think a lot of people do because when you're spending most of your waking hours at work, it's what's on your mind. So I think that's, you know, when you dream, you're processing your day, aren't you? So I think that's pretty normal. But um, I think for me, I just try and I sort of, I do sort of consciously do a, when I take my costume off at the end of the day, I sort of, I don't go through a whole, you know, routine with it, but I do kind of think every time, oh, okay, right, she's off she stays there until tomorrow yeah. um, or definitely at the end of the week I think I get quite giddy towards a Friday night because I'm just sort of like yay I'm me again and it's all you know I just like to sort of laugh I guess and and sort of in the times where where you do like we do have time to sort of enjoy being around the people you're working with and have fun with them I just make the most of those moments and then the moments where we have to be really concentrated and and serious obviously you know that's what we need to do so well I loved Alice always as you know that was your was it was it actually your first huge theatre production or no, had, no, no I don't know where that's come from though it was my first no 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 it was about because that's what it's online. Okay. That's so not I true. Think it was on the internet somewhere, but that's not true. No. Exactly. <laughs> it didn't seem like it, but I went to see it. I loved it. Um, I, I wouldn't say you portrayed the nicest of characters. <laughs> no, she was. You portrayed someone quite manipulative, and quite interesting. And it must have been so much fun because you looked like you had a blast. Is that true? I absolutely loved doing that, that job. So um, Lucinda Coxon has, has written, had adapted the play from a book um, of the same name. And I've always been a big fan of Lucinda's writing. And um, Sir Nicholas Heitner directed. And I've always been a huge fan of his. And it was, you know, when I sort of got the role, like, it was a no-brainer. I was like, wow, this is just a dream my dream theatre job at the Bridge Theatre, and it's a wonderful place to work as well. But the character was just so much fun because she starts off with this, as this sort of very yeah. mousy, ignored, um, quiet person. And then she sort of learns how to manipulate the people around her and her surroundings to get what she wants. And, um, oh my goodness, those are the most fun characters to play, aren't they? They're just like yeah. the manipulative, because it's just like completely opposite to me. So I love it. I loved it when sort of towards the end of the show, you could hear people sort of go, oh, oh, I think, oh. Yeah. Even, even, I when, 
yeah, I hadn't seen that side of you. And, you know, talking about the Me Too era, there, there couldn't have been a stronger character, really, to go, well, let me tell you how it works, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like, absolutely. This was sort of a story of a woman really taking charge of her own um, destiny in a sort of morally questionable way. But <laughs> it was, um, she was the one that was sort of abusing the people in power, not the opposite way around. So she, she didn't have the power, but she manipulated people until she did. Um, so it was quite a, yeah, it was great. It was great fun to do. Yeah, it's, it's, it looked like it was fun. And I just yeah. remember you coming out with this glow because it, it's a fun role to play. Yeah. Joe, we, I, I'm, unfortunately, we've almost run out of time. And that is such a, that is so weird. It, it is. is. But a couple of things just before we go. Yes. Um, if you could give any advice to our listeners um, that might be feeling a little bit lonely right now, might be feeling a little bit stuck in a rut and at the end of the lockdown and COVID is seeming really, really far away. If you were to give them a piece of advice, what would that be? I mean, my bit of advice would be that we're all in the same place. So I think don't think that everyone else has or anyone else has the answers. I think, you know, just know that even if you see these, you know, somebody seemingly having a perfect time on social media or all of that, everyone is going through their own struggles and what you're going through is normal. Mm -hmm. And we're all going through our own version of it. And just remember, I think, to, what how I'm dealing with it is just remembering to keep in contact with the people I love. And that is the thing that's just making me feel positive every day and also what would be your first thing you're going to do when you leave the lockdown <gasps> oh my goodness the first thing I'm going to do when I leave the lockdown oh my goodness um it would definitely just see people I love I'll just be running to the closest person to me and giving them a big hug Joe Froggett is giving out free hugs <laughs> It's the lockdown, everybody get in line. Exactly. So one last thing, you know, we, Lara and I work a lot with charities, especially grassroots charities, and that's a big, big part of our lives. And it's a big part of this podcast. And we have asked you to name a charity you'd like us to contribute to, and you have chosen Because I Am a Girl campaign. Could you tell us a tiny bit about it? Yes, yeah, so I'm an ambassador for Because I'm a Girl campaign and that's with a charity called Plan International who sponsor children in developing countries. I've sponsored a child with Plan for, goodness, the last 17 years. Wow. Um, wow. So I've been, you know, personally involved as well as more publicly. And they asked me to come on board uh, specifically with this particular offshoot campaign because it's always... Um, it's always girls' rights that suffer most in developing countries in times of extreme need. So whether that be wartime or in times of a pandemic. Um, so it's uh, it's just focusing on on keeping girls as safe as possible in as many countries as, as possible. What a wonderful thing to do. We will contact them and we will contribute to them. Thank and you so much. Thank you so much for coming on honestly I, I i am so i'm so deeply moved and grateful that you agreed to do this oh, because no, no, it's, to you ladies I think it's, just, it's just been absolutely wonderful and you know what i can't wait for big hugs oh, in beer gardens exactly
Thank you so much, Joe, for that fantastic interview. And, uh, the whole thing just made me smile. Oh, it made me smile too. And we're going to put up a video as well on our Instagram because, of course, we had to do it via Skype because we wanted well, to via, see her. Well, via video Skype. Via, so exactly. We could, we and could... she looked gorgeous. Yeah, she looked gorgeous. She seems great. And, you know, considering the fact that she's in lockdown, she did. She's yeah, doing really, yeah. really, really well. Joe also talked about some of her favorite things and charities and we are going to put up a link to that so please tune in next week we have a brand new episode with a fantabulous guest yes can't wait hey guys it is Ryan I'm not sure if you know this about me but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can I like to work but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary VGW void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus